And today in studio, we have Dr. Charles Weiss, and he is from CSU Channel Islands. Dr. Charles Weiss, it's a great pleasure to have you in studio. He was the former Ventura County Office of Education Superintendent. He's currently a professor of educational leadership with CSU Channel Islands, and Dr. Weiss has a master's degree in psychology. So it's a real treat to have you in studio. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Nice to be here. Well, today we're going to be talking about the Big Idea Show, and the Big Idea being it's a community divided. In many ways, here locally, it feels like big politics came into our small little town and gave it a body slam. And it's not something that's isolated to just us. It's something we see across the country in many other ways. And, you know, essentially, in my mind, I, I try and say, well, what, what's really happening here? Like how, if we're in a situation where there is division, how do we heal? Or how do we, in some case, even, you know, not get divided? Or how do we you know, essentially what is happening and how can we digest this? And that's what I want to talk about today. So that's the big idea in particular for today is how does a divided community heal? And in many ways, I think the community understands what's been happening or happened here in Ventura County, particularly Ventura Unified School District. And so now we try and just understand it better. And for me, like it's not what I see and do every day like this. So I'm, I'm almost feel like shock in some ways and like it's troubling and difficult for me to grasp and i feel like it's such a pleasure to talk with you because i feel like you have a much deeper understanding not that there are answers to a problem not that there's a solution we're trying to solve but just that i just want to understand it i just want to be more understand it better and i feel like that's a big part of healing too that's the problem that's the idea let me turn it over to you and you can start highlighting some of this for us well i wish i had all the answers I think there are no easy answers. Right now in America, uh, we've become very tribal. And when you become tribal, it's like uh, being opposite uh, foot on opposite football teams. You, you make the other person worse than they really are, and you make yourself better than you really are. And that tribalism is everywhere in America right now. Uh, we, we listen to different news stations. We listen to different podcasts. We look at things on Facebook, only the things we like. So we hear our side of the story all the time. So we're in an echo chamber all the time. And that's basically what's happening in Ventura, the city of Ventura right now, around the resignation of the recent superintendent. And the answer to it is pretty simple. And, and the simple answer is we need to get out of our tribes and start to listen to one another again, to find things that we have in common with our neighbors, because we do have a lot in common. I mean, this time of year is especially important to get out of our tribes because for those of us that have family that we get together on the holiday season, we uh, know that we have differences of opinion about things and sometimes it can make the uh, like Thanksgiving dinner quite uncomfortable. But the reality is right now we need to take on that uncomfortableness and talk to one another about things that we disagree about. Talk to our children about things that, that we disagree with them about. Uh, talk to our parents and our neighbors because then we can come together as a community. I believe as a community, as Americans, as Venturans, uh, we have more in common than we have different than one another. And we need to find those things we have in common and celebrate them. And we need to also learn from one another. I mean, the most important thing about being alive is you continue to learn. And um, some of these issues that we're talking about, about the LGBT community, people are continuing to evolve and learn about them and realize how people are offended by things that they've said and done. I'm an example, when I went to work at the university, 
I was uh, very commonly used the term guys to refer to males and females in my classes. And I was, it was explained to me by one of the professors that that's a male dominant term and we should find another term, like people. And it's a simple little thing, but I didn't realize I was even offending people by using the term guys. And it's just those kind of things that we need to talk about and then say, well, I'm, I wasn't, didn't intend to offend anybody, so let's find another way to communicate. So to me, that's, that's the big idea that we need to, to get at here, and that is finding how we might be offending without even knowing it, and then finding common ground of things that we want to do together as a community. I like what you say there, and I think it is, you mentioned tribalism. And I, I, I was thinking the exact same thing you said with regards to we're more similar than we are different. And grabbing onto those things that make us similar. In some ways, it's, it's almost like life has been so good that this is now what we have to fight about or to argue about. You know, if there were bigger, and I don't mean it in this way, but if there were additional other problems like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if there were needs where we needed shelter or we needed security, we would be worrying and fighting for that. Yeah. But we kind of have that. And so now there are other things where we need to have a better filter to understand where we might be making wrongs. And, to, to, and that, in, in some ways, is very difficult to do because some people are like, hey, I like how I like it. You're telling me I need to get out of my tribe? I like how I like it. Yeah. So for some people, they're saying that. For other people, they're saying, you know what? I've been, you know, I've, people need to come to me and essentially be more appropriate in what they say to me. So it's almost a clashing, it, it seems is. like. It is. And it, what you mentioned, in the Thomas fire and the Woolsey fire, we reached out to our neighbors to help them because they need, we didn't say, what are your politics? What are your belief systems about this community or that community? We just said, what help do you need? And that's where we realized our commonality as humans. And that's what we need to get to. You know, and there, there are things that I think we all agree to. For example, the last line in the Pledge of Allegiance, and justice for all. I think we all agree with that. Right. And so when we think about if you really are thinking about justice for all, you got to make sure that you're not being unjust to some people within your community. And I think we all agree with that. And that's something we should focus on at this time. That is uh, that's that you're right. It's it, you're so we all agree that there should be safety for students in school. There's nobody that should feel uncomfortable when they're at school. Mm -hmm. And if that means that people, you know, essentially are identifying themselves in a different category I, we have to embrace that, right. you know, we, we do. And I, I think everyone will agree that that's appropriate and right and that's what should be happening. Mm -hmm. And I think the questions come up where, you know, I think in this particular case, so something was said in the past. Let's talk about this. Okay. This was said in the past. So this was something, essentially the line of evolution, and this is what I've said. There's an evolution to the conversation of what, what is appropriate to say and not. Like there's a lot of words, you mentioned guys, there's a lot of other words that we don't say now that we used to say mm -hmm. as far as, you know, many different things. Right. And there's an evolution there. And I think to the extent that back in time, if you use those words, but you don't now, or you recognize that they're not, is it okay to apologize or are you still vilified because you didn't apologize soon enough or you didn't change yeah. soon enough? Talk to that a little bit. Well, all those things have happened. I mean, we know that uh, President Obama had not accepted gay marriage, and then he did. And so he evolved. His consciousness evolved over time on some of these LGBT issues. And I think we should allow people to do that. I mean, we should allow people to say, I was here at one time. I want to be here, but I'm still just here. And uh, what we know about that is that the more you can talk about something or interact with something that is unique to you, the more you can find ways to not only accept it, but to celebrate it and find out how it actually adds to our community by having diversity. 
And that's the other thing that I think we agree upon as Americans. Our, our country's built on diversity. That's why we are so darn successful in the world. We're the most diverse country in the world. And we celebrate that in a lot of ways, but it takes us time. You know, when the Italians first came over, they were put down. When the Irish came over, they were put down. So, it, you know, the, the different groups that come in, we, we finally realize, oh, here's what we get from that group. Here's how we are added to. And so I think that's, that's something that we need to think about as Americans. You know, you talked earlier about schools. The one thing I think all people agree to is schools need to be safe and caring places for all students that are there. It means that we should take them as they are and move them to a better place. Uh, it doesn't mean we want to change them. It means we just want to educate them. And I think we should have that same attitude toward our community members, that we should allow people to grow. We should allow people to have been at one place at one time and want to evolve to a new place in the future. And we should, as a community, have help them to learn about that. When a person has a different sexual preference or a different gender identity, uh, it may have been foreign to us in the past, and now it's become more real because we know somebody, and we, uh, and we can talk with them, and they're people just like us, and they're good Americans or good Venturans. And so that's where we need to get to as a society. We need to get out of our tribes and become learners all the time and, be able, and allow others to evolve over time as well. Let me ask you this question because some people are saying in the role of superintendent, or in the role where you're in a respected position where you're supposed to be caring and safe and everyone's got to feel that way when they're in your domain at school and on campus. And the fact that you said essentially whatever we want to say you said, and it was pre the evolution of what's now acceptable, you rung a bell that can't be unrung. You are now unfit for your job. Is How is that fair or unfair? Well, think about that. If, if we said that because the South had slavery, and uh, then we got rid of slavery. Now they can no longer be Americans. I mean, we have to let them evolve and grow and realize that that was a huge mistake in the history of this country. And we have to be able to accept that mistakes can be made and then people can grow and, and uh, become a different person. I mean, that's the whole thing about restorative justice is about, that one of the things that the current superintendent brought into the district, as I understand it. And, and that is that you, you say, I can grow, I can learn, I can be different. When we talk about incarceration for youth, we say we know they can be rehabilitated and become something different. We don't think that much about adults, but I think we should because I think we've learned over time that we keep learning all the time. Our brain keeps evolving all the time. It used to, we used to think that you were cooked by the time you're about 18 or 20. It just isn't the case anymore. We, we're in a society that information is coming at us really fast and we have to process it and we have to understand it. And we have to make changes to accommodate it. And I just think we should allow people to grow and be different uh, than they were yesterday. And not, not say you're absolved of that, but you, you've got to kind of repair it in some way. So, you know, restorative justice is about the offender gets the chance to try to restore the person that's been offended. To try to change and, and show them that whatever they did to hurt them, they want to repair that. And what that does for the, the offended, it helps them, but it helps the offender even more because they can grow and change. And the, the key to that is you have to have what's called a growth mindset that says people can grow and change. If you, if you think people can't grow and change, you can't really implement anything like restorative justice or even uh, being able to accept people to be different than they used to be. Let me ask you a hard question. So in the case of what happened here in Ventura, in Ventura Unified School District, superintendent said some things in the years past. It was uh, reported on and eventually called, there was calls for his resignation and he resigned. And, uh, and now the community is divided over essentially how this happened and what happened and happened very quickly. So to what you're saying, essentially, you know, and then in this case, he, the, the superintendent did apologize, you know, as well. And I think and he's a proponent of restorative justice as a community. 
did we miss showing him restorative justice? Does he deserve restorative justice? Well, again, we're, certainly everyone deserves restorative justice. But going back and trying to fix something that's happened is not really something we can do. What right. we can do is learn from it and move forward. And so I think that it is a great opportunity for, the, for those of us in this area to talk about how do we behave when we disagree with something or we're offended by something? Do we cut that off and get rid of it? Or do we grow from it and become a better and more evolved community? I think the latter is what we really need to focus our discussions on. Not whether we did something right or wrong in the past because that's done. Right. This decision's been made. But now what do we do with this so that if in the future something like this comes up again, how do we deal with it? And keep, and keep with our values as a society in believing that there is a growth mindset, that people can evolve and change, um, that they can contribute even after they've been in a place that was very destructive. So uh, I, I, to me, that's the conversation about how we, what we did in the past is kind of irrelevant. It's post-mortem. We really need to move ahead and say, how do we behave better in the future? And kind of looking at, uh, you know, I agree, and looking at essentially what, what essentially made it happen or not, I should say this way, with regards to news outlets, in particular, how does leadership manifest itself to show that this wouldn't happen again or that this could be handled better where it doesn't essentially turn into a media blitz of a firestorm on social media with comments like being made, people reading into them and saying, well, this essentially must be fact because my neighbor is a responsible person. They said this mm -hmm. and they may have missed a few of the details or essentially same with articles. Like how can a board or how do leaders emerge to handle something you know, that is, is kind of wild like this? Well, leaders should always be ca calling for finding common ground. But in addition, leaders should understand the history so they don't repeat it. You know, uh, and I, so I think understanding what happened here and how quickly it happened should be something we learn from. And we take a little more time, be a little more um, judicial in the future on issues like this. But I think also we should acknowledge as leaders and as everyone that we have unconscious bias. Right. That if you grew up in America, you have what's called uh, implicit automatic associations. And those include all kinds of things from skin color to race to religion uh, to gender, all these kinds of things. And we have them. And the reality is the more we can learn about them, the more we can understand them ourselves, the more we can behave differently and grow from them. But just because you have unconscious bias or implicit bias, it doesn't mean you have to act in a biased way. It means you have to acknowledge it. And when you react, you say, take a beat. And now think about it and think how else you might react. You know, we're, the FBI is going through training in this. Uh, police departments and, and sheriff's departments are going through this kind of training so that they will take a beat and think. And there's a great, there's a great um, pro program, project at Harvard University that's called the Implicit Association Tests. And they're free. You can take them online. Uh, nobody gets anything out of it except they're building this database of, of biases we hold in America. And you can take as many of them you want or as few as you want. They range from things like uh, skin color and religion and uh, all kinds of issues. And then you can find out what your implicit biases are. I use these in my classes at Cal State Channel Islands. And when my students see them, they say, this is not like me. And I'll say, no, actually, this is like you. Now, what you're saying is you don't behave like that. And that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. We're glad that you don't behave like that. And you should continue to not behave like that. But you need to acknowledge that that's where you are. You know, President Obama used to talk about people when they'd be walking down the street next to him, they would cross over the side of the street. That's an implicit bias. They may not have acknowledged it themselves at all that they were a little more concerned that a black man was walking down the street with them. But we all have them. If you grew up in America, you have implicit bias. And to say, I'm colorblind, I don't see those things, that's just not true.
It's absolutely not true. And there's tons of research over many, many years to suggest that's not true. So the thing for me, for, uh, for America, for Ventura County, for all of my neighbors here, we should go online and find out what our implicit biases are and then acknowledge them and act in opposite ways so you won't have to to behave like, for example, I grew up in the 1950s, I have all those gender problems with women and work, you know, and so I know that, so I have to be, acknowledge that and then act in ways that do not discriminate against women who are full-time workers. I think that's powerful. Uh, you're 100% you're correct, and I, I agree, and it's amazing in some ways how some of us don't want to acknowledge that we have those biases. We're almost blind to them. It's head in the sand. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work when you put your head in the sand and say, I don't, I don't have these things. We all have them. They're, they're subtly thrown throughout advertising. Everything that we see in America, it, it reinforces these implicit biases. And the reality is we don't have to be that way. I, I, would, I would guess if you analyze um, commercials from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, you'd have a madman type. And then you'd have the things we have today that are much different in terms of how we portray uh, people of color, people of size. I know it's just in the last five years we see more men and women that are larger in ads for clothes. We never had that in the past. The, the models were skinny little things, right? So these are things that are evolving and we're changing our biases this way because the average American doesn't look like those skinny little people. What do you say to people though that will say, you know, this is just too much political correctness. Like how far does this, essentially this scale go? Like at what point am I able to say what I wanna say? See, I know? see nothing about politics in this. This is about human interaction. This is about the way we treat our neighbors, the way we treat, treat our children, the way we treat each other. That's not political, that's relational. And I think that's what we should be focusing on. Is how do we maintain better relationships? How do we maintain a community that's safe for everyone in it, that cares about everyone in it? I mean, who doesn't want that? Let me give you an example. So let's say I'm, I go to work and there's a, you know, a coworker that's, uh, that's dressed nice, particularly. And I say, hey, you look nice today. I don't say that anymore. I feel uncomfortable saying that to a colleague, a coworker, and I don't know why. I just know I'm not supposed to. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily right, you know, that, that, it, that for some reason I feel uncomfortable because there's some bias that was broken that I'm trying to be sensitive to. Mm -hmm. to and, and in some ways, like, you know, there's nothing to it. I just, you know, I want to give them a compliment, but I'm holding myself back. Yeah. I'm pulling the reins. And, and it's good for you to hold yourself back a little because you want to think, okay, why am I saying that? You know, so what are, what's my bias here that I'm expressing? And also, how's that person feel? So to me, the only answer right now, because we're in this kind of transitional time, is you have to ask that person, would it be okay for me to tell you how great I think you look in that suit or whatever? I mean, and I don't mean to offend you. I, mean, I just want to say that that is really a See, nice you know, that, outfit. But that almost feels more weird. It does. Like to, to say it in that but manner. We're, we're, like, in, a what, what we're in a transition that? time right now, and I think yeah. we're, in, we're in an odd time, um, especially in leadership. You're in an odd time. You're being watched all the time for doing something that might be wrong, and that's good. I think that's a very good thing because we have a lot of bad actors out there that have just done things because they've acted on their biases. I think the reality is we're in a tough time right now. Uh, society is changing. Uh, Female-dominated households are coming. 75% of the kids at, at Cal State Channel Islands are females, and they're gonna be the primary breadwinners. And so there's gonna be some changes in, in roles, and we're gonna have to figure out how to deal with that. And it's, you know, it's part of the evolution of society, it looks like. Which is great. We're here talking with Dr. Charles Weiss. He's the former Ventura County Office of Education Superintendent, current professor of educational leadership at CSU Channel Islands. And we're talking about the topic of how does a divided community heal? How does a divided community heal? In particular, I wanted to uh, ask you about the idea of public comments. 
So I went to an event earlier this week, and it was essentially the, the next board meeting since the superintendent resigned. And, uh, and, and I sat through public comments for a couple hours. Um, and it was, in my, in my view, it was very refreshing. Uh, people were able to air it out on all sides, and it was very nice for me. It, it, it in some ways increased my awareness to these implicit biases you mentioned and to be more sensitive to them. Mm -hmm. And it was also felt healing in some ways, too, to just kind of hear and be able to speak out. Can you talk to what's happening with the idea of public comment and essentially those types of activities? You know, I really believe that community forums help a community heal because you can hear other people, you can hear other sides of things, and it's a safe place because no one's going to get booed or, or cheered. I, I remember when I was county superintendent of schools, I held a, a community forum in the Wainimi School District after the shooting of the young student there. And there was so much anger, and, so, and everyone had a reason for it. And when we all got in the room together, all that anger came out, all those ideas came out, all those thoughts came out, and I think people left feeling more connected than apart. And I think that's what we need here. And I think that's what we're going to need over and over again in communities all over this country for the next several years, is finding out how we're affecting one another and how we make sure that we make our communities safer and more caring for everybody. Um, no one should be offended. No one should be hurt. That's not what we do as a community. We should be helping and supporting one another. So I just think that those community forums can be very, very powerful, especially if they're mediated. I, I served as the mediator for that, so when somebody got out of line or started, can you get back to the facts? It uh, helps a little bit. Um, so I just think that's an important thing to do. We learn by expressing our opinions or about writing our opinions, and I think that's a very important thing for people to do. Another thing I want to ask you about is the role of the school board in a situation, or any board for that matter. When you're in that type of role, there's a process and a protocol. There's the Brown Act. There's things I think a lot of the general public doesn't really realize. And the Roberts Rules, yes. And what, yeah, talk, we'll talk to leadership when it comes to a board, you know, and in this case too, if, if one of them is essentially acting beyond the scope of what they should be doing because it's more personal than, you know, how, how, do, how does that get navigated? So, um, so you know I'm an elected board member in the Wyoming School District, right? So. I believe that every member of the board is elected because they are to represent the people that elected them, but also to express their opinions and ideas and share their information. And so board members, I think, have an obligation to speak up when they have a concern. And yet, you got to remember, as a board, you work as a five-member team. And so you have to have at least two other people that agree with you to move in that direction. And otherwise, you support the direction of the board. That's what we train board members in doing. That's what I used to train board members now as board member myself. I hold myself to that. But, um, you know, boards are leaders in the community. They're supposed to express the concerns of the community. And then they're supposed to help resolve them. They're supposed to help heal them just where you started this conversation. That's what leadership should be about. It should be about pulling people together, not pushing us more into tribes, but saying, okay, how can we find common ground? What do we all agree on here? And then how can, as a board, we represent you to move in that positive direction? We're talking with Dr. Charles Weiss. He is a board member in the Wyoming School District. Right. He's also a professor at the Educational Leadership is what he is the teacher of at CSU Channel Islands and the former Ventura County Office of Education Superintendent. Talking about how a divided community heals. I do want to ask a question as well, as some people brought it up to me, the idea that in some cases, you know, their, their students have felt almost like they're becoming a marginalized population themselves because they're not a part of a marginalized population. Mm -hmm. 
and in some ways, you know, at, at a different events and whatnot, it's almost, I don't know, it, it's tricky. It gets very yeah. convoluted, you know, but that's essentially what was shared with me yesterday. They said, hey, my, my son feels marginalized and he is because he's not a part of the marginalized, you know, mm -hmm. so. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Or how it, that works. Well, to me, everyone's feelings need to be acknowledged and, and accepted, and and try to help them work that out. But the reality is that, and I've done research on this that opened my eyes. The white male privilege that I've experienced my entire life was unconscious to me. I had no idea that I was getting opportunities and others weren't that had the same skills, knowledge, and abilities as I had, but because I was white and male, I was getting those opportunities. And it's a little bit like being a plantation owner in the South that has uh, decided that, that, that uh, owning slaves was wrong. You have to be able to say, um, I, I'm seeking redemption and I'm trying to make the world a better place and not allow my white male privilege to dominate. So I'd say the same thing to these kids that feel they're not part of a marginalized group. They're still part of the solution and they can still learn from that and they can still figure out how they can, can move the community in a positive direction. And to me, no one's out of this conversation because they're not in the marginalized group. Everybody's in it because we have uh, some stake in it and we have some bias in it. And so we need to actually work that through, work that out, and become a better person. So I'd say to those parents, help your child become a better person by understanding the feelings and needs of other people. Our feature interview today is with Dr. Charles Weiss, and the topic we've attempted to discuss is the idea of how does a divided community heal? As we close, I'll allow you to have the last word here, but I think you mentioned tribalism, and mm -hmm. we're more similar than we are different. But I'll pass it to you for the last word. Yeah, I would just like us on a daily basis, all of us, and I try to do this myself, is decide what tribe am I in? Do I need to be there? And how can I let the other tribesmen in and tribeswomen? And I also think that uh, we should all think about how we can allow others to improve and have redemption for the things that they've done in the past. To me, it's real important to be kind and caring for everyone so that if someone's done something that's offended you, find a way to let them know and ask them not to do that again. I've, that's how I've learned as I've be, you know, I'm old now and I have a lot of old biases in me. And uh, learning from the younger students that I work with at Cal State Channel Islands has really helped me grow as a person. Dr. Charles Weiss, thank you for your time today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to The Big Idea Show. That does it for today's program as we talk about how does a divided community heal. A big thank you to our sponsors, Era Energy, powered by safety, innovation, and community. We help keep California moving forward. And also to GEICO local office, you can contact Greg Mock at 805-487-7847. And a big thanks to the team at Boyd & Associates, providing home security to Southern California. Well, that's it for this week. Join us again next time. Do you ever question if your investments are right for you? Do you own any annuities, retirement accounts, or have other money you want help with? Have you ever wondered what your advisor is making or how they get paid? Get a free second opinion. Talk with Michael Anderson, Certified Financial Planner. Call his answering service today, 805-665-3767. Leave a message and get a call back immediately. 805-665-3767.